Good morning, everyone. Um, just an introduction here. A question. <clears throat> How many of you have ever woken up uh, in the morning or in the wee hours of the night and it was just very dark? I'm not talking about the lights being off, but I'm talking about you sense just extreme darkness, uh, difficulty around you. Anyone? Yeah. Uh, this morning, huh, that was that was me. At about uh, 4.15 this morning, I woke up and it was just, it, it was weird. It was just like, you know, it was just very dark, very oppressive. And, um, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm wondering, okay, what did I eat last night? You know, I'm processing in my head. Um, and I realized what it was. It was, um, it was a lie. Um, it was a lie from the kingdom of darkness because... I began to think, what is today? And uh, 33 years ago, um, as a freshman in college, I went to go visit my sister in New York, unsaved, um, and for the Thanksgiving holiday. And I met the church in Brooklyn. And that Sunday, 33 years ago, Sunday, I got saved and, and received Christ as my Savior. And I realized, I said, this is, this is the devil trying to get me to be back into a time when there was darkness and no light. Zero. Um, you know, just, you know, we all, and we don't dwell there, but we remember what it was like having no hope. Um, and I thought of this verse this morning. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, speaking to yourselves in Psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Uh, there was a time when my songs and my melody were not to God. They, they were to the, the God of this world. They were to worldliness. There was, but I, I realized I can sing, I can make a melody to God. And then verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God. And the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, that's the, the beauty of what has happened in our lives. We have become a people that can thank God. And it's amazing. Sometimes, you know, the little things. It says giving thanks always. Not just thankful because, you know, the turkey came out well and it wasn't burnt. You know, that the sweet potato pie didn't fall on the ground. You know, that the mac and cheese look like actually mac and cheese and not something else. You know, like this time, like Thanksgiving, there's so much a, a, a movement of being occupied with the food aspect of Thanksgiving. But we as believers know what it's like in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. I love that, of his dear son. We become people that are dear to God. And for that, that's why we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you've given me. We just heard amazing woman of God, Kobe Wistera, and Pastor Pete was saying in the, in the first service, after the first service, he's been getting calls from all around the world. Just saying thank you for your mom and what she meant to us and what her life meant. 
You know, that's amazing. We, a life walking with God by faith, investing in her family by faith. And you know, and we were, I was saying, Pastor Pete, isn't it amazing? We are just getting a little glimpse of who Kobe Wistera is. A little glimpse. But with the little glimpse we have, we are rejoicing. We are thanking God. We are, we are saying, thank you, Lord. You know, and this is amazing because you know what's amazing? The world we live in does not give thanks to God. It's like amazing. Yesterday we were soul winning up at, um, at Frankfurt and Bel Air. And, and I, I saw this guy he came out of a vehicle and he's going into the boost mobile and I'm looking at him like, I know this face. And he goes in and he's looking at me and he just walks in. He comes, I say, Hey, uh, can I ask you a question? He said, Yeah, sure. I said, Do you have a twin brother? He says, Yeah. He said, did they call you twin? And he's like, yeah. I said, do you remember Barry Quirk? He's like, Barr? Oh, yeah, I remember Barr. Chick Webb. And it was amazing because this guy, like his countenance was just like Barry. And I said, do you know that Barry is a principal? He's like, Barr, principal? Barry, a principal? He kept saying, Barry, a principal? You mean Barry who played basketball at Chick Webb? I said, yeah, Barry who played basketball at Chick Webb. He's a principal? He's like, man, that's amazing. He's a principal. And the guy went in the vehicle and he just, he just drove. It was like, it was just a short exchange. But I was thanking God for Pastor Barry Quirk. 1990, down in Lafayette Courts, high rise, Pastor Steve Monty. You know, walking up the back because the elevator was not working. And you had to go up through the back way. Anyone who knows Lafayette Courts, Flag House, Frederick Douglass, in the 90s knew what that was about. But you know what's amazing? To knock on the door and to invite young men and young women to play basketball. And to see a young man 30-something years later. I was saying, God, thank you. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you that we sow seeds by faith. Thank you that we go often not understanding what's going on, what's how if it's being received, but by faith we're thanking you. And we get a little glimpse. And I was just thinking, everyone in this room, I was thinking, God, thank you for everyone in this room, my brothers and sisters in Christ. We have something. Pastor Shallow sings it all the time. I have something that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. No matter if there's difficulty at home, no matter if there's no finances, as we heard for Pastor Roger, no matter if the kids are like, why do we have to go to church again? We are thanking God for this amazing life we have. Our life is but a vapor. It appears for a short time and then it vanishes away. And one day we will stand before God and we will see the full impact of everything we've done. And we will fall down at the throne of God and say, God, thank you. I could not save myself. I could not keep myself. I could not deliver myself. But you delivered me. You kept me. You encouraged me. You brought me back when I was in a far country. You did it, Lord. And so when we sing and we sing praises to God, it's not a light thing. I know sometimes we come into service and we're, I just barely came in the door. Yeah, we understand that. But then to hear a song, on your word, I will rely. 
on your word I will rely. The word of God that is forever seated in heaven. In Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. That's what we're thanking God for. We're thanking God for friends, prayer partners, in the trench. I was so wounded with Pastor Chris Armand yesterday. And you know what? We've been together since Bible school. And a man of God, amazing family, missionary in Africa, missionary in Hungary, thanking God. You know, and it's amazing. Don't let the devil rob you in the dark situations. And the atmosphere says, you can't pray. You can't thank God. Look at your situation. You say, no devil, you look at my situation. I'm looking at God and I'm going to praise him. Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and God is not done yet. He's not done with my life. He's not done with your life. So this is amazing, you know, because as we think about giving this morning, transition to the offering. Think about this with me. Situations and circumstances and problems do not define who we are. It does not. God is faithful. And why can we give? Because we have a heavenly father who can never stop giving to us. He giveth and he giveth and he giveth again. I remember that song. Hearing, he giveth and 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 he giveth again. That's our God. That's why we're thankful. That's why on the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving when the turkey is gone, the mashed potatoes gone, the stuffing is gone, you know, all the kids have robbed the fridge from the time you look at it and say, wait a minute, I thought we had a full turkey. And all the kids, just the teenagers just robbed the turkey wee hours in the morning. But we come in on a Sunday morning knowing that we will be fed spiritually from this pulpit. Knowing that no matter what is facing me outside the doors, I have Christ on the inside. He's my strength. He's my shield. He is the lifter of my head. He's the lover of my soul. This is who we are. And this is who our God is. So with that this morning, we can give. And we can give joyously to the work of God. Pray with me. Father, thank you this morning. That Lord, we are grateful. We are thanking you for your unspeakable gift. The Son of God. Son of man. Ever lives to intercede. Our high priest, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we give because you first gave to us. And if you are online, just follow the donate, uh, the donate now button and let's keep giving because one day we will stand in heaven and see the fullness of a life of faith. Just like Kobe Wistera is doing right now. She is seeing face to face the lover of her soul. And she's just thanking God. And so we can thank God here as she is praising God in heaven. Lord, bless this offering for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Amen. Great. Great. Lord, we pray. Thank you for people that have that left their home to come here. And some, we do it as habit, a good habit, 
and some by faith, not knowing for sure, but by faith, they live by faith, and we live by faith, and we have been given a new life. We are feeding that new life, and we are drinking the same spirit today, the, your Holy Spirit who dwells in us, loves us, encourages us, counsels us, counsels us. We need counsel. You are the counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, counselor. Lord, thank you. Bless our day, our thoughts, your ministry to our hearts, in your words. Amen. I want to explain a couple of things first as we get into the message. Uh, one of them, that very simply, you are born again. How are you born again? But by believing in Christ. When you are born, born of God, that's 1 Peter 1.23. They could put that up there. Being born again, being born of the Word. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. You know, seed that is material. The seeds of, of grain and agriculture, seeds of animals and reptiles and fish, seeds, seeds of spiders. I read about a spider, the, the spider seed goes up into the stratosphere, it goes, the wind takes it up, and it, it, it floats around in the, in the airstream, jet stream, and can land on an island somewhere in the Pacific. It's seed, it's spider. You know, that spider takes up its home in paradise. Um, so how were you born again? How were you born again? Not of material seed, but of, of incorruptible. Of what? By the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So we have words. This is the word of God, the Bible. Then the words are spoken or read. The word goes to your mind and your heart, and you decide. You decide, do I, do I receive this? Do I believe this? You decided, but, but you didn't know for sure. But you decided, and, and now the Holy Spirit lives in you, and that, 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 Small thing, you could say, the little thing, like in um, a fetus, a human being in the womb, is small, hardly even noticeable. It's hardly noticeable in the beginning, but it grows. So we are, we are uh, ministering today, thinking of this growth, and thinking of your spiritual life, as you are born again, and you have this life in you. You have the life that happened to Mary when, in a physical way, 
when the Gabriel, the angel, said to her that the shadow of the Almighty will come over you, and that holy thing that shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And she said, what did she say? Let it be unto me according to your word. So that was faith. And with that faith, then Christ was conceived in her. She said, yes. Yes, she said, yes, I take that. I, I, I believe that. I accept what you are saying. And then it happened. Well, this is a, a parallel. It's not this, excuse me, <clears throat> it's not the same thing, but it is spiritually very similar. That you heard, you heard the word, you thought about it. For me, I was 17 years old when I, I started to look for it. And um, I was looking at a book by Bishop Sheen in our family, little family library. Our family library consisted of like, you know, a small bookshelf about this wide. Few books, and one of them was that. And The Life of Christ by Bishop Sheen. And I started to think about it. But I wasn't living right. I wasn't living right. I was just living my way. And then... Then when I went to college, somebody told me that if I would accept Christ, he would change my life. And I said, okay, I want that. Whatever that is, I don't know what it is. So faith, hearing and faith, and you are born again. Now, this is a more, more, um, this is a, a, um, simple teaching. And I want to keep your attention because by the end of the message, I think it'll make a lot of sense to you. So um, I want you to, first of all, turn to our text. It's in Hebrews. We have a lot of parts to look at, but Hebrews 2. I think we have a slide of this uh, piece, Hebrews 2, verses 1 to 4. Okay, there, there's. Uh, all right, so we have we have three, three dangers mentioned in. The, we got five dangers mentioned in the book of Hebrews, five things that we need to be aware of that the writer is saying uh, to these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem that there's a danger you have you you are in danger of neglecting what is in you neglecting this message. So this is in Hebrews 2 and verses 1 to 4. Then there, then we'll just do these three, and, and uh, I'm, danger of unbelief, and then the danger of not maturing. Danger of unbelief. I have a danger of living in unbelief. I have a danger of neglecting. I have a danger of unbelief. I have a danger of not maturing as a believer, okay? I have a, you you might say, well, what does that mean? What does it mean? So let's go to the, let's remove that slide and go to the, use the scripture, chapter two. Maybe put it back up for one more minute because if you're somebody who's taking notes and you want to take one more minute, look at it, go ahead. 
The book of Hebrews is written to born-again Christians who are under a lot of pressure to deny Christ. They're under a lot of pressure because the state of Israel is not accepting the Messiah, Christ, as the Messiah. Because the Jewish believers in Jerusalem are facing persecution. So there's a danger in their life of them neglecting their faith. There's a danger of them living in unbelief because when you're under pressure, you easily can deny and do what is convenient. And you just go the easy way. We'll talk about that a little later. And then there is the danger of staying as an immature Christian, like staying like as a child, not maturing. C.S. Lewis calls that Christianity and water. Like it's not food, it's just Christianity and water. It means there's not the depth, there's not the experience, there's not the sacrifice, there's not the faith. But you and I want, I want the maturity. I, I want to grow in my faith. We, we, want to, we want to learn. We want to be challenged. And like 50 years ago in this church, when I was a young believer in this church, our pastor would always say that to us. Like, don't stay a child. Like, grow up in your faith. Like, put some skin in the game. Like, come on, run a risk. Come on, live by faith. Come on, trust God. You know, grow up in your faith. Like, learn how to apply what you learn and what you believe. Live by faith in it. Okay? All right. Now let's take that down and go to the text, Hebrews 2, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. We have to be aware of what we have heard. Because hearing, hearing, Hearing the right thing, like you, you, you have a radio and you, you tune in to the station or the frequency and you get the sound and you, you and I have to tune in and hear because Mark chapter 4 says, it's given unto you according to how you hear. And that hearing is a part of your new life. Let me show you a diagram here of a, this is the, heart of man left to itself. The heart of man with a hole in it is the heart of a man left to itself. He's, does he believe in God? Maybe he does, but, but he's not, not, it's an idea, it's an abstract idea if he believes in God or not. Or is he religious? Yes, he can be religious. Is he self-righteous? Yes, he can be self-righteous. Um, is he sincere? Yes, he can be sincere. Is he honest? Yes, he can be. Is he a nice guy? Yes, he can be. But the problem with this heart is that you don't know what's there because circumstances bring out what's in my heart. It's like a sleeping snake. That snake is a snake. 
while sleeping. I don't know what it is. But but if it's moving and if 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 I'm in if I'm in its proximity, I might find out what it is. I don't know. And that's like the human heart of man. This is the thing that people resist. They don't want to believe that man is an enemy of God. He doesn't want to know that. He doesn't believe that. There's many reasons for it. I made the the 9 o'clock message. I went into quite a bit of that. And I'm hesitant to do that now because of time. But um, I, I want you to think with me that in the, a couple of examples of how, how something, you, you know, everything is fine until you get a lot of money. When you get a lot of money, you're, you may change. Everything is fine until you're tempted with regards to something you never thought you could do, but you can do it. It's in your heart. It says in Jeremiah seventeen nine that the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? And that verse is a staple for us in our church. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay, so we have this teaching of the heart of man and and who he is, and he, he, yeah. So, one paragraph I have from Jonathan Edwards on the subject, natural men do not generally conceive themselves to be so bad. They have not this notion of themselves that they are enemies of God. You know, like this is Romans 5.10, where it says we are enemies of God. We don't think of that like that. We, we are really against him. We actually hate him. We are not for him. And this is what this says. It says, therefore, when they hear such doctrine of this, as this taught them, they stand ready to make objections. Some may be ready to say, I do not know. I am not sensible that I hate God and have a mortal enmity against him. I feel no such thing in myself. And if I have such enmity, why do I not feel it? If I am a mortal enemy, why should not I know it better than anybody else? How can others see what is in my heart better than I myself? If I hate one of my fellow creatures, I can feel it inwardly working. This is why people say, I don't hate God, I don't feel that. Yes, yes. But you are an enemy of God and you actually hate God. What do you mean? Well, it's, it, we, we, our hearts are, desperately wicked, and who can know them? Who can know our heart? 
So somebody yesterday I was with talked we talked about he he saw a short video on these this yacht culture of billionaires. And in this yacht culture they have a, a yacht in the Mediterranean and they have these meetings and people come aboard and the billionaires just really do whatever they want and they do like very bad things because they have the money, they have the power for it and it's in their hearts. But you don't do those bad things. Why? Well, one reason, we are born again and we have a new heart that's like one, one thing we, we wanted to say here. We have a new heart. This is really real. It's a new heart. It's from the Holy Spirit. It is. It's a new heart. It's the heart of God. It's the heart of Jesus. That's why we love God. We love him because he first loved us. But here's the catch. We have also a sin nature still in our body and our old heart is there attached to our mortal body. You know, when you die, you leave your mortal body and it'll be the first time you'll be without a sin nature. It'll be the first time your spirit and soul will leave your body and you will not have a sin nature. You'll be, you will be absolutely without sin. But that hasn't happened because we live in a mortal body that has a sin nature. And this sin nature is still part of my life. I still have this in my life. I have a heart that, that it's possible for me to wake up one morning and have all kinds of evil things bubbling up out of my heart and thinking about them. And what do I do with that? Well, we'll see it in a minute. Um, let's turn to Romans 7 and see the text for what we're saying here. Romans seven, eighteen. For I know that in me, it is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. I have the will, but how to do it, I don't know. Let's say uh, some a man a man has his wife, and he has his, his the normal the normal flow of the history. And with his wife, there are the good times and the dull times and the bland, boring times, and then the difficult times. Maybe raising children and the familiarity, the times of the heart. The heart of man. What's in his heart? So, Paul is saying, in me, I have this sin nature 
And this sin nature can take me. It can take me. I can make decisions based on my sin nature. I can agree with my sin nature. I can, I can, um, my heart, and then I can justify it. Everyone does it. It doesn't matter. You don't know what I have been through. You don't know, understand it. You don't know what love really is. You don't understand it, you know. Uh, so he has another woman in his life. How did it happen? His heart. But doesn't everybody, yes. Every, all of us have a sin nature in our heart. And to be honest, there are Christians that are not, not wise enough, humble enough, wise enough, learned enough to understand that I have this in me, in my heart. I am capable of all kinds of things. If you, if you define my heart, I think it's a good one. It's like a sleeping snake. Everything is good. Believe me, everything is good. Oh, yeah. Just wait. Wait until what the, the opportunities and the circumstances and just see what is actually in my heart. And so the writer of the Hebrews is saying, there's a danger in your life because this life is, we need to be aware of it. And Jesus told us how upside down we can be. He said, I do miracles, but you're, you're not, those miracles are not changing your life. Those miracles are not changing your hearts. Remember when in the case where he multiplied food and the people are following him? He said, you're following me not because I have the miracle, but because you're hungry. You're not understanding that this miracle happened and that you're worshiping God. You're not worshiping God. You're following me because you want another free lunch. Your hearts aren't right. He said, this generation, this is in Matthew 12, Matthew 11, this generation is an evil generation. And why, why is he saying that? Because he knows that these people are going to one day cry out, crucify him, crucify him from their hearts. And so will you and me from our hearts. It's just a matter of uh, circumstance that we're not as evil as we could be. But you push, you put it, set it up, you can be as evil as anyone. We have the same heart. It's called a sinful nature. It's called our flesh. And we're capable of very bad things. Wow, boy, that, that's, well, I want to show you something because the timing of it is, is good. It's in Judges, I'm I'm sorry, 2 Kings 8. And it's a good example of a man who didn't know what was his heart was capable of. It's chapter 8, verse um, 7. Elijah is 7 to verse 15. I won't read it all, but Elijah came to Damascus. Ben-Hadad the king of Syria was sick. 
It was told him, saying, The man of God is come hither. That's Elijah. The king said unto Hazael, Take a present in your hand and go. Meet the man of God. Inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I receive, will I recover of this disease? So Hazael went to meet him, took a present with him. Jump down to 10, verse 10. Elijah said, go say unto, go say unto him, you may certainly recover. Howbeit the Lord has shown me that he shall surely die. So Hazael is the guy in the story up on the screen here. Hazael is a guy that he doesn't know what is in his heart. I mean, we don't know either what was in his heart, but he was a messenger from the king. And the king sent him to Elijah and said, Will I recover? And Elijah said, You will recover, but you will die. And it means, it means you will recover of the disease, but you'll be assassinated. You will die. Hazael goes back, and the king said, did he say I'll recover? He said, yes, you will. And then the next day, Hazael took a wet cloth, put it over the man's face until he died, suffocated him. The king was assassinated by Hazael. Now he's talking, now Elijah, the day before, a couple of days before, two days before, Hazael said, will he recover? He said, yes, he will. And then Elijah starts to get serious. He, he sees something. Elijah sees something, and he, he starts to weep. It's chapter 8, verse 11. He settled his countenance steadfastly until he was ashamed, and the man of God wept. Because Elijah saw something, and what did he see? Hazael said, Why weepeth my Lord? He answered, Because I know the evil that you will do unto the children of Israel. Their strongholds will be you will set on fire. The young men will you slay with a sword. You will dash their children and rip up their women with child. And Hazael listened to this. This is about the heart. Hazael said, But what? Is your servant a dog? that he would do this great thing. He doesn't believe he would do that. But he did. But he said, what? You think I would do that? You think I would do that? You think I would run off with some? Do you think I would steal? Or do you think I would become a tyrant? I'd be a, 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 ty- a political, military, a, a leader, a tyrant, murdering people. Do you think I would do? Am I a dog that I would do that? And Elijah saying, yep. Yep. So I'm only saying that these billionaires on the yacht, yachts, I'm saying common people like you and I presented with an opportunity or in the ministry, you know that most liberals were one day conservatives, liberal theologians. They were one day conservatives like us. But they changed in school. They changed in time. They changed in circumstances. 
All you have to do is become political. All you have to say, well, I don't believe every word. This is the word of God, but not every word of it. And so you can take and twist it and change it. Second Peter writes about it, and so does Second uh, Timothy 4. The time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. Wait, you think homosexuality is a sin? Yep, I sure do. And so is lying and adultery. And so is covetousness in the heart. Yep, I do. Well, you are narrow-minded. Well, let's see how things turn out. How much joy do I have or you have? What is the new life here? We're not talking about improving this heart. We're saying Jesus judged this heart and gave us a new one. And the reason why we believe and think the way we do is because it's from hearing. Hearing the word of God. I want to hear what God says. I hear enough of what the world is saying. I want to hear what God says. Do you have a capacity for that? Do you have a capacity for that? You have to have. Yes, you have. You have a capacity, and it grows. It's like a balloon, you know? Right? It's like... It's like um, the reverse of that is dehyd- you dehydrate fre- vegetables and dehydrate fruits and dehydrate things like a raisin is a shriveled up prune, right? Well, that can happen to your life. Your life can be, can be, this is what this heart does. This heart shrinks your life. It does. Your, your sin and my sin it shrinks our life. It reduces us to a sinful life. It's not a good life. You can go anywhere and study it out. The life of a sinner, the way of a transgressor is hard. But Jesus is the way, and that way is in you, because you believed. You're born again. Now you have this capacity that the book of Hebrews is writing about. So don't let it slip. So here we are. You might say, okay, I have sinned. I have a wicked heart. I was very angry, upset. I couldn't forgive. Many scenarios here. I couldn't do it, and so on. I, I submit myself by faith to God. I confess it to God. And I say, this is me. And the Lord will say, yes, but you are not your sin. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You confess your sin. I am faithful to wash you. I am faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Now walk by faith in the Spirit. When you live in the Spirit, you're walking by faith in the Spirit, your new heart and mind, your mind is renewed. There's many things to say about it, but you have mind renewal, and um, you you receive words. You have words. John seventeen seventeen. I sanctified them according to your word. Your word is truth. You are washed by the word. This is really. It is really true. Ephesians five twenty six. You are washed by the water of the word. Psalm 119, 
It says eight, uh, eight times, 119, eight times it says, quicken me, quicken me. What's that mean? Quicken me. What's that mean? Quicken me. Make me alive. Quicken me by your word. Your word does it. What do you mean? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. He spoke the word when man was paralyzed at the pool in, in John 5. And Jesus just said, take up your bed and walk. The man heard it and he believed it. He got, took up his bed and he walked. What healed him? The word. Remember, the centurion said, you don't need to come to my house. I'm a Gentile. You're a Jew. You don't have to come to my house, but only say the word. My servant will be healed. That was all. And Jesus said, I haven't seen this kind of faith in Israel. Wow, you are a man of faith, a man of God, a Roman centurion. Uh, your, your son is, your servant is healed. So that's the, the picture. All right, so we believe that. Okay, now let's go to Hebrews. We'll finish up here. Hebrews 2. I'll make a couple comments on each of these warnings so that you can go home with a couple warnings. Your mother will say, what did you learn at church? She say, Mom, I got a couple warnings I want to share with you. And the first one is Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. It might be that that what you have heard could slip away, verse 1. Therefore take heed to the things which we have heard, lest any time we should let them slip. Uh, I I was newly married. I had a bigger wedding ring on my finger than I needed. I was aware of it, but then one day it was gone. It slipped off. It was gone. And my wife said, where's, uh, where's your wedding ring? Is this over already? <laughs> I, no. <laughs> she, yeah, I don't know where it, where it happened. I don't know. It, I, we never found it. It was gone. It slipped away. It, it, things slip away. Things you don't notice them. They go away. You slip away. They're gone. Little, little, little bit. Not even noticing it. And your new life, you've got to have your church life as part of your life. You should have your Bible as a part of your life. Uh, faith, just simple faith. I have many temptations, but I trust God and pray to God. And Lord, lead me and deliver me. And he does. I have many burdens and worries. I cast them on him. He's going to take care of me. He will take care of us. He, he loves us. Relating to God, having a vertical relationship with God. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it slip away. Now, the second thing, the second warning is this one, and it is in Hebrews 3 and verse um, is it 7, down through chapter 4, verse um, 15. This is the warning of our hearts becoming hard through our trials. Your trials. You know, somebody old said, they, they, somebody old died, and, and um, the relative said, oh, I'm so angry with God. 
And I said, well, how old was, uh, was your relative? Well, he was 92 years old. I go, you're angry with God? Like, yeah. Like, why did he take him, you know? Maybe because he's 92. <laughs> I, what, 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 you got a deeper problem than your, your relative dying. You got a heart problem. Because like life isn't going your way. Just the hatred you have. Because you're not in charge. You see, one of the things about our, our hearts left to ourselves is that we want to be in charge. And life is to, needs to be our way. And, and this evil heart has to be checked. And I have to say, oh, well, I, I, am, I am angry with God, Lord. Yeah, yes, but Lord... You, you speak to me, and the Lord will say, yeah, I have a lot of things to say to you, but you cannot harden your heart. This one is hard, but you need to go live in this one, which is not hard. The language isn't exactly correct, I understand, but I want you to follow the concept that Christians can get hard hearts. The Christians can be very disappointed with their lives. Christians can be disappointed when they get hurt. The, the, the book of Job should be a common reference for us. Like when you, when you are disappointed with yourself, like Peter denied the Lord three times, and, and after he did it, he went out and he wept in his heart. And he just is so, I, I assume, angry with himself and so disappointed and that that's so how do i take it i just i i just can get so discouraged and stop listening stop listening the the hard heart stops listening the hurting heart stops listening this is like a counseling session for all of us you know it's like yeah, but just like understand this, that yes, as a believer, the Lord wants to speak to my heart and correct me and help me understand him. Because one thing for sure is that when you know God and I know God, life is, is the fruit of it is love. And the love can endure all things. And bear all things. When we actually in our hearts are walking with God, our life actually does, uh, it does grow in our hearts and minds. We're renewed and we begin to love. We don't, you can say in many ways, we don't worry like we used to. We're not as afraid as we used to be. We're not as selfish as we used to be. We're actually learning. And when hard times come, we don't get hard. We just get, Job said, God makes my heart soft in Job 23. So let's make the heart soft. Here's an illustration. If you take the heat of the sun and put clay, clay in the, in the sun, what does it do? It hardens. If you put butter in the sun, what does it do? It melts. So which heart do you have? 
I have the, the clay heart, and you put me in the sun, in the trial, in the heat, in the sun, I get hard, and I get angry. I get angry with God, I get angry with life, I get angry with myself, I get angry with people. But that's not the new heart. If you put Jesus in the sun, he, he, he's melting. He lives with the Father. He's on a cross. He says, forgive them. They don't know what they... You put Jesus in trials, he's hearing from the Father. And he's trusting the Father. He's even not wanting to go. I don't want to go, like in Gethsemane. He even wants to get out of it. He wants to get out of it. That's how bad it was. But he would still be hearing from the Father and obeying the Father because that's our new heart. Do you understand that? That's what Jesus gave you at your new birth. Don't let it slip away. And then don't let your heart get hardened, right? And do not neglect it. Okay? So... There's a lot of text there that we could read, but I think that's good good enough. Let's go to the third one, and it'll be just a comment on that. And this is the third one. Do you want to put that slide up again on those three things for my my our people here and for me? It's okay. Danger of neglect. Don't neglect it because you you need to walk in it. Walk in it in your, in your life and be exercised in faith with your new heart. And number two, the nature of unbelief that I get hard and I err and I just, I just give up, kind of. How many believers in the United States of America have gotten discouraged and give up and they don't know that there's anything more? It's like Christianity and water. And they don't have anything more. How many? I don't know. But we're in a place where we can we can challenge each other, love each other, and like mature and grow in this new heart that we have. And, and we are able. We are able. So um, the third one is the danger of not maturing. And that's from Hebrews 5. And we'll just read this, verse 11 through 14. I don't know what the Lord has for you in your life, but I would highly recommend maturing. Let me tell you a short story. I was in Bible school. Pastor Stevens taught, he that is he that has been given little, little is required, but him that is given much, much is required. So what do you think I thought? Hey, I'll take the little. Guys, little is required. Hello? I'm not totally stupid. A little bit, but not totally. Hey, I'll take the little. And then, then I realize that's my, my heart, right? Like, what should my heart say? What should, what should your heart say when you want to limit your life so you can manage it? And you want it to be, you know, just just give me a normal, like, easy life, okay? Like, just, 
Nothing big, you know, just... But what does Jesus say about that? He says, abide in the vine so that you can bear fruit, and then you can buy, bear more fruit and bear much fruit, and thereby glorify my Heavenly Father. Uh, so why don't we mature? There's probably a lot of reasons why it's so sensible to mature. Yes, I will be given more, and then the Lord will say, yeah, I'm going to expect more from you because I give you more. So you have more, so come on. Here I am. And this is how, this is a joy for us to challenge yourself in your heart and say, I would like to be exercised in my faith. I do want to obey God in my heart and trust him. So this is how it goes. Verse 11, of whom we have many things to say, hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For one for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And it becomes such as a need of milk and not a strong meat. So we could be babies wanting only milk, and just that's all. Or we could hear and follow and mature and eat meat. And everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, don't trust your own heart. Trust in God and his word. Do not trust in your own way, but trust in him. He will deliver you. He will lead you. He will show you. He will fill you. I'm going to finish. This has been a long message, I know. Thank you so much for your listening, but praise the Lord for that. Okay. A woman came to the church, 35 years old, a couple of kids with a family, and boring. It, the church is boring. The, her Christianity is kind of boring. doesn't mean much. And then, and then it, it happens. She comes alive. Like she said, I love it. I love coming to church. I love it. I'm so excited about my faith. I feel God is in the car with me. I feel God is with me in my life. I am so excited. I'm, I'm so happy about it. I love coming to the church. I love what God is doing in my heart and in my life. And I would say in my mind, yes, that's our new life. And yes, we have the different times and seasons in our life, but if you can, can just say, I would like to mature and go on from the first principles. Like I learned about it in the first principles, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not returning there. I mean, I, I go back and learn it over again. But I actually want to move on to maturity. And it says here in verse 12 or 13, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. So it has to be words that challenge me. And it says, uh, 
strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use, you have to use it, have their senses exercised. Now, some people are into bodybuilding. Let's say, for example, you are pushing, you're going a little bit, you're building your body up. You are, it actually happens that people get bigger and stronger and so on. It actually happens, but it's by reason of use. It's the same like with our, with our conversations. By reason of use, we have a better conversation. It's with our friends. We have, we have good friends. It has to do with how we use our time. We are, we are actually using, we are making decisions about love, about faith, about, about service, about receiving, about quietness, about shutting the door, about, about denying myself something. Like, if you, if you were a billionaire, how would you live? What decisions would you make? And also, if you were poor, how would you live? How would you think? And what decisions would you make? If you are single, how do you live? How do you make your decisions? When you have free time, how do you live? And how do you make your decisions? Your senses are exercised in the word of righteousness. And you are being built up and you are maturing. And, and I like, why not become like Jesus Christ in our hearts? Yeah, whatever phase of life we're at. Okay? Amen. That's a good word. Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, you are our God, and we know that we have been forgiven. This is the new covenant. We've been forgiven. It's gone. If if we haven't confessed it, then we kind of carry it with us in our old man. But Paul said he couldn't solve the enigma, the big puzzle. He couldn't solve it, but he just turned to God and said, I thank God through Christ Jesus. With my mind, I serve the law of righteousness in my flesh, the law of sin. And by your spirit, we have a renewed mind. And by your spirit, we start to think as you do. We do think as you do and embrace it. Thank you for that. Maybe someone here isn't, it's not clear to you where you stand on this issue. Are you a believer? Do you want to become one? Do you want to come to Christ today by faith? Just come to him and say to Christ, I believe in you. I trust you. He will come into your life. And then you have this amazing world of growth. And do not ignore it or let it slip away. And do not let your own heart rule your life, your deceitful heart. And don't let your own way, your own heart, govern your way. But yield to him and walk with him. In Jesus' name, amen.